Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to 2022, everybody, even if I say the sports calendar doesn't reset till after the Super Bowl. It's a new year, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best wagering action in the new year. You can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V, when you sign up with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to our NFL Monday post-game show for the Bills and Chiefs. Like we did with Wired Up, I think we need two separate podcasts here for the insane weekend that was in the NFL. Not a single normal game anywhere. So we got Bills Chiefs here. Memes of the weekend will be Rams and Bucks, as you can probably see by your feed. And this is just going to be 45 minutes of me letting loose on emotions and feelings and thoughts and everything that happened in that Bills and Chiefs game. Because I found myself crying at the end of that game and I find myself tearing up right now and it's confusing why am I tearing up why am I emotional about this game and it was a realization that everything that I have done to motivate my life my choices in life come from a few things that I can point to over the past few years in my life and the easiest one is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs And for them to win that game the way that they did and be rewarded for one of the great football games in the history of the NFL playoffs and to have 25 points in two minutes and to make that comeback and to win the coin toss in overtime and for them to be rewarded at the end, incredible, incredible stuff. Enough to get me emotional that the Chiefs were able to pull out that win. And let me be clear, like, on the front end of the Chiefs fandom stuff. Because it's always difficult when I talk about the Chiefs fandom to not fall into cliches. One of the things I find most important on this podcast is I don't like saying the obvious things. I don't like being obvious. I don't like when you say nothing interesting because what fun is doing the analysis if you're going to say the obvious thing and the straightforward thing and the thing everyone else is saying? Like, what good is that bringing to content and so I try not to be obvious as a like typical Chiefs fan of like oh my god Chiefs number one look at Kansas City being the best Mahomes is better than Josh Allen all that stuff I was not emotionally invested that way in the game if Buffalo won the game which it looked like they were going to when the 13 second touchdown happened I had hands on my head 
jaw dropped, but also smiling at the same time because it's just amazing football. And I would have tipped my cap all the way to the Buffalo Bills for that one. Like the thing I find really important is appreciating greatness. And Patrick Mahomes may be the greatest, but it doesn't mean we don't appreciate how amazing Josh Allen has been this season and last season. Like Josh Allen is now an elite quarterback. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I know I joke that he's Mahomes, but he does everything worse. No, Josh Allen is an elite NFL quarterback. It's him, it's Lamar, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Aaron Rodgers. It is impeccable how good Josh Allen was in that football game and how good Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs were and how Josh Allen was doing the Mahomes stuff better than Patrick Mahomes. Like, not even a joke. Josh Allen was being Mahomes better than Mahomes was, and yet the Kansas City Chiefs win the game, and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are just absolutely tormented on the sidelines, because how could you not be when you score two touchdowns in the final two minutes of the game? You converted a fourth and four where the Chiefs had the sack to close out the game. There would have been two minutes to go. Chiefs would have had the ball. They would have closed out the clock. How could you not be tormented by the fact that Allen escapes the sack, runs to his right, and scrambles for a first down? How could you not be tormented on 4th and 14, Gabriel Davis breaks a dude's ankles, breaks his ankles, and scores the go-ahead touchdown with 1.52 to go? How could you not be heartbroken when, after Tyreek Hill goes 60 yards and throws up the deuces at your defender, that you then go down the field in 40 seconds and score the game-winning touchdown again against the Chiefs secondary. 13 seconds left. You've done everything possible. You led the game-winning drive. The Chiefs took it right back from you. You led the game-winning drive in less than a minute. You did it twice. And it just didn't matter because with 13 seconds left, you didn't get to touch the ball the rest of the game and you lose because Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis were on the sideline. And the flip side is, karma came back around to right the ship in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. Because the Kansas City Chiefs, for the dominance they've had over the past four years, have been remarkably unlucky. Kansas City Chiefs should have won the Super Bowl in 2018. They did win the Super Bowl in 2019. Were far and away the best team in the NFL in 2020. Just dominated the entire league 14-1 and when Mahomes started, won three games in the playoffs. Only when Mahomes got hurt against the Browns was it ever in question that they were going to lose. 16-1, and they went 27-1 and with Mahomes at quarterback over a, a year and a half stretch. And their offensive line got hurt right at the end, and they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were a very good team in the Super Bowl. T- the Chiefs could, should, and would have gone to four straight Super Bowls, and they would be the greatest four-year stretch of football you can point to in the NFL of our lifetime, ever. I mean, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, 20 years. I was born the year that the Patriots dynasty began. The Patriots have not had a four-year stretch of success, except for the first part where they win the three championships, did not have a four-year run of success as dominant as what this Kansas City Chiefs team has been. And it's nitpicking. It's appreciating greatness. The Chiefs have been remarkably unlucky over these last four years in catching bad breaks at the end. And a good break finally went their way in that they got the ball to start overtime. And karma wrote the ship for them because they deserved to be better than the Buffalo Bills. This game, these past four years, getting a chance to win that second championship 
is a really big deal because for some people it's the only way they're going to validate the Kansas City Chiefs. And those people are wrong, but universal acceptance is never going to be something that exists. I always pound the table for appreciate greatness, and we appreciate greatness really well when it's Tom Brady, but we don't appreciate greatness well when it's anyone other than Tom Brady, even Josh Allen. We're going to not appreciate the greatness of Josh Allen coming out of that or the greatness of Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey for just saying, nah, 13 seconds, we can go kick a field goal. We can kick a field goal in 13 seconds, so what? And we'll go to overtime and we'll get the ball and we'll immediately go score a touchdown, totally uncontested, like 17 points in two and a half minutes, can't stop us. We can execute anytime we want against a defense that is gassed, and Tyreek Hill is going to dominate for us. And we have the greatest offensive coach in the history of football and the greatest quarterback in the history of football. And we, the, sorry, the most talented quarterback to ever pick up a football because Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback in the history of football. But the point being, the Kansas City Chiefs got karma working their way for this one. And I found myself super emotional after that game. And it wasn't because the game was absolutely insane. Like, I'd been going through insane games all weekend. I was going bonkers when the Packers were blowing that game against the 49ers. It was absolutely nuts. I said at the time, like, it was the most insane playoff result other than the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. And then you had the Rams-Bucks game, which was just stupid all over the place. Like, the Rams did everything they possibly could to blow a 31-point lead to Tampa and did it. And they still found a way to win the game, even though they should have won by 31 points. They should have won the game by 31 if they just don't do, like, seven ridiculously dumbassery things at the end of that game. It was the craziest result I'd had watching football since Mahomes scored 52 points in three quarters against the Texans and Chiefs and Bills just took a hatchet to all of that the de facto AFC championship game two best teams with the Packers getting eliminated two best teams in football if that had been a Super Bowl it would have been a perfect analysis of who the best teams are and how thin the goddamn margins are in the sport because you couldn't tell me the difference between the Bills and the Chiefs those two teams both deserve a championship, and unfortunately, we're going to do the analysis by who wins and who loses. Sometimes it's fair analysis, and sometimes it's a coin toss, and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to catch a couple breaks every now and then, theoretically. Theoretically, you will catch a break every now and then. It doesn't always work that way, but theoretically, you will catch some breaks every now and then, and will judge your entire legacy based on winning a coin toss. And this is kind of the amazing thing about the Kansas City Chiefs run is that the fact that they've done so well and command such respect, even while getting really unlucky within the margins, is a sign of really how great this Kansas City Chiefs team is. Because this game was the Kansas City Chiefs trying to get to four consecutive AFC championship games. It's uh, hosting four straight AFC championship games has never happened in the sport. And the Kansas City Chiefs have, I mean, really should be in the Super Bowl each of those four years. If the more breaks go their way, the Kansas City Chiefs should have been in the Super Bowl all four of those years. They were the best team in the NFL in 2018, best team in the NFL in 2019, best team in the NFL in 2020, and best team in the AFC in 2021. I'm not going to say best team in the NFL. Them and the Bills were both equals. The Bills were the team that was going to take a hatchet to the dynasty to put the dynasty on pause to just ever so slightly try and catch them 
the same way Brady's done it twice. The Bills were the next version of that. And Mahomes staved them off, and he's going to get the credit for this one that he probably deserved last year when he destroyed the Bills, but we kind of just walked past it because then they lose in the Super Bowl, and it's about how great Tom Brady is and not about how amazing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are. And all of it's nitpicking and all of it's results playing and all of it's sometimes random and it shouldn't bother me the way it does. And I didn't think it bothered me the way it does because when the Chiefs won that game, I found myself getting super emotional at the end. Not because I wanted the Chiefs to win so badly, although that's a big part of it. I realized watching Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes at the end of that game where the Chiefs you know, miss a few field goals here and there, and Josh Allen is doing Mahomes' job better than Mahomes, and yet in the end, Mahomes put him in his place. And the fact I love Mahomes doesn't mean I hate Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen. I love Lamar Jackson. Like, those players are so incredible at what they do. I've even grown to love Tom Brady in the past couple years because what's the point of hating on greatness when it will only be here for so long? And this all really doesn't matter. This whole sports thing really doesn't matter. I've learned this with the perspective of not having meme pages to run and not treating it like a full-time job like I did during the pandemic and throwing myself at trying to become this sports superstar but not knowing how to lead it. I realize now that all of this stuff is not really that important and I get more fulfillment out of just watching this and talking about it and doing this podcast thing that I'm now pretty good at than I do doing the jokes and the analysis, the jokes and the fun poking at this stuff, because all of this stuff is really, really fun. And the Chiefs thing brought me back into sports and football at a weird time. I've talked about this before when we did our podcast a few weeks ago about the five-year anniversary of the Chargers leaving San Diego. Like, growing up in San Diego... And getting off the Chargers narcotic was the one of the best decisions I could have possibly made. Like throwing myself deep into the Chargers fandom like I did as a child because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And that's what I thought was supposed to be right. That was something that was really, really good and healthy for me to break that up. And really just for life perspective of realizing that all of these institutions, we place too much of a value on all of it. Like, we find things that we really, really love, and we place a ridiculously large amount of value on all of this stuff, when in reality, none of this stuff, like, all this entertainment stuff we're doing really doesn't matter. We're not curing cancer in sports. Like, we're not actually making an impact on society, and how could we in this big old world where it's really hard to make an impact? We're not really making... Uh, uh, we're not doing things that are important. It it doesn't matter. It just matters a lot to a lot of people. And so I found great joy in watching this game this weekend and watching Mahomes get the win because Patrick Mahomes, as I've talked about before, brought me back into football. When the Chargers left in 2017, like I was less in on football because it hurt to lose the team and realizing that you can inflict pain that is like permanent and also you're just a teenager so you're experimenting with other forms of entertainment and what you actually like and dislike and trying to find yourself and 
I realized I wanted to do this analysis stuff, part with the Dan Levitard show and getting inspiration from seeing the fun you can have with this medium when you have the skills, but also wanting to get back into football because of how magical Patrick Mahomes was. That 2018 season is what I call renewing vows with football. Like that 2018 Mahomes season where he won MVP and came out of nowhere and flashed brilliance, like that was the thing that brought me back to life with football. And for the Kansas City Chiefs to then turn into this dynastic team that, you know, is irrefutably a, a one of the best teams that we've had, like, and then for me to talk about appreciating greatness all the time and, you know, shedding my childhood fandoms and finding out what do I really like in sports? What are the things that bring me joy? And the fact that sports reflect society and we can tell stories within sports that people care about and you get paid to tell stories about sports is all something that I find really, really fun and something I would willingly sacrifice. Heck, we've done 900 podcasts here perfecting this craft every day for three years, two and a half years, like trying to perfect this craft. And it's something that made me remember why I love sports in the first place and why I love watching Patrick Mahomes. I knew I felt it with the San Diego Padres, that connection where you get emotional and you're yelling and you're crying and you're happy and all this gambit of emotions are being poured out of you. And I didn't know I had that with the Kansas City Chiefs. And you can probably hear me tearing up a bit talking about it right now. But the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes does this for me as well. It's hard to root for Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey doesn't do the same emotional thing for me. But Patrick Mahomes is the, I can say like not with 100% the reason, but Patrick Mahomes is a reason why all of this exists. And so seeing him get to have that victory and prove his greatness and have everyone appreciate the greatness for a moment feels like something that is a victory for myself because I've been preaching to the choir for years that this dude is special. And the fact that he's with the greatest offensive coach in the history of football means this is the Patriots again. Like we talked about how, you know, enjoy the Patriots while they're here because we're never going to see this again. No, we're seeing it again. The Chiefs are doing it again. And I know I've preached this over and over and over again. And sometimes it's simplistic, but coming out of this game, it just feels so true. And the the universal love of Mahomes, even if it's just a fleeting moment, and even if it's just entertainment of the highest order, just stakes, storylines, chaos, a totally different football than we've watched for the past two years. Like, I was watching this game, and I'm like, Josh Allen running the football at the end of that game was nothing the Bills could do all year, because if they build an offense like that, they're going to destroy his body. The same way Cam Newton's body got destroyed from calling run plays all the time. You can only take so many hits before the body starts to break down. And so they protect Josh Allen by not calling run plays all season. But once you get to the one game winner go home, on first and 10, they're calling design power runs with Josh Allen. And it was such a different, unique game. And the Chiefs were trying to combat this. And the Chiefs were getting pressure with four. And Allen was still evading. And he was doing the Mahomes thing better than Mahomes. And then Mahomes was tiptoeing on the sidelines and diving for pylons and scoring touchdowns. It was so euphoric. And this whole gambit of emotions just kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it was so incredible to process it. 
And then at the end, the overwhelming feeling that came out, I guess, was just like joy or happiness and genuflecting about life and sports and why you do what you do in career and what you want to do with this one life and grander perspective stuff that, you know, gets me thinking every time I think about this podcast and think about talking about all of you funding our dreams and trying to do this weird wacky thing for a living and have this be something that an audience clamors onto and having all of that happen in this game and having those emotions come to the surface was something that really caught me by surprise because I didn't know I felt exactly that way for Patrick Mahomes. I knew I loved Patrick Mahomes, the player and the respect greatness guy. And I always knew that the reason I wanted to do this analysis and get really invested back into sports was because of Patrick Mahomes and losing that football team and having that Kawhi Leonard championship run. And then, you know, going through high school and deciding that that in a dark time in your life, this is what you want to do to fulfill yourself and having any kind of purpose makes life more enjoyable and all of this stuff I knew was there, but then having it process at the point being there, just working out therapy in my head right now, as we go through this, having this victory was something that changed it for me a little bit, having this victory for Mahomes and having this victory to genuflect on just emotions and thoughts and, you know, great greatness and appreciating greatness and talking about greatness, something personal to myself. And I find it super duper fascinating that I get to have an exploration of emotions. It's vulnerable and having feelings and not being afraid to be vulnerable in certain circumstances and putting that all out there like, wow, from a dark time in my life. And then another time where the pandemic happened and I threw myself into this sports thing because you didn't have social interaction. Um, You didn't have work to do as much anymore because college was now online and you could get by a whole lot easier than you could in person. With so much time on my hands and no real like meaningful interaction, you kind of threw yourself into sports and threw myself into Instagram and spiraled a bit because I don't like using my phone and it's a coping mechanism for myself and all of that stuff that gets thrown into the mix there. It all circles around to Patrick Mahomes having this run, which is weird, like having this run kind of puts a pin on what was the past, I guess, for me in a certain way. Not necessarily like I was investing all of this in the Chiefs, and if they lose this game, I don't feel it. It's just a chance to genuflect and realize that I'm so happy even without making Instagram memes, that my life moves on with or without having those. And now I can pursue another path and find a new purpose in sports and storytelling and figuring out this team and figuring out this dynastic run and all of it, I find incredibly, incredibly fascinating. And shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs for helping me be a better person. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes for changing my life. I know it's dumb to say it like that, but the Kansas City Chiefs have changed all, all of this is in part because of the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes specifically. And for them to get rewarded made me feel really, really good. To have them be rewarded for all the reward and the joy that they've brought to me and helping me through dark times and helping me realize that I want to do this podcast thing and I want to tell stories about sports because that's the thing I've wanted more than anything since I was a child as a coping mechanism through difficult circumstances. This is something that really, really matters to me. And I think seeing the, I'm working this out in my head on the air 
without pauses or chances to edit at all. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, or more specifically Patrick Mahomes, has changed my life, changed the course of my life, especially through college years and the end of high school. Like the past four years, really three years, three calendar years of the Kansas City Chiefs has held a big impact on my life. And it's the thing that matters more than anything in the sport that matters more than anything to people. And having that work for the Kansas City Chiefs and have the Chiefs finally get that validating victory. Hopefully they don't blow it down the road because this should be a, a walk to the Super Bowl for them at this point. Like they could lose to the Bengals because this isn't the best Chiefs team that's ever been out there. For, the 49ers and Rams are both weird matchups in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are better than all of those teams and yet I still look up and I think, oh, don't mess this up. You already did the hard part. Don't mess this up, Kansas City. They should waltz their way to the Super Bowl. Similarly to how the Bucks did last year when they beat the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs. They should waltz their way and win the championship. If all were right in the universe, the Chiefs would win the championship this year. And seeing them have that success and seeing the good breaks go their way was just a huge deal for me. And I didn't realize I had invested that much of my emotional stability into the Kansas City Chiefs as I rave all the time about how sports are dumb because people invest large amounts of their emotional stability in this weird, dumb thing, often for like a college football team that they'd never attended. As all of it is weird and all of it is dumb, I found out that I am a little weird and a little dumb myself because all of this, not all of this, but all of this is possible in part because of the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. He is inspiration. And being vulnerable and putting that out there was something I did not think would happen as this game was coming to a close, as I found myself tearing up in celebration for the Kansas City Chiefs, not because the Chiefs win a game or because the Chiefs win a trophy or the Chiefs get a legacy-defining victory, but because the Chiefs got good things happen to them. And it made me feel great that finally, after bad break in the Super Bowl last year and not getting to beat the Patriots in 2018, that good things finally happened to that dynasty. Appreciate greatness, people. Even more than just the day after the greatest playoff victory, maybe of Patrick Mahomes' career. Appreciate greatness. New sponsor alert, people. It is the good people at Sheets and Giggles. I know it sounds funny. Sheets and Giggles. Sheets and Giggles makes 100% eucalyptus bed sheet sets, duvet covers, comforters, and throw blankets for people who like sleep. And who doesn't like sleep? I get eight hours of sleep every night, and now I'm sleeping on my new Sheets and Giggles eucalyptus bed sheets. They are super soft, temperature balancing, hypoallergenic, and static free. Shop SheetsandGiggles.com today and use our promo code TAKEITEASY for 10% off everything at SheetsandGiggles.com. Shop today and get the rest you so richly deserve at SheetsandGiggles.com. So that was uh, an outpouring of emotion for about 20 minutes or so. I'm not sure if it was good content or not, but it was an outpouring of emotion. And uh, I would like to uh, now talk about the actual game itself. Because one of the things I found interesting was the Buffalo Bills ran the Patriots offense, or at least the Patriots game plan against the Chiefs, which is early in the game, let's keep Mahomes off the field. 
But whenever we wanted to, we could just take the top off of the Chiefs. Like, Josh Allen threw a 75-yard touchdown pass just to dip into the lead early in the second half. Like, they took the top off of a defense that didn't have a chance to stop a middle of the field. And Gabriel Davis having four touchdowns and 200 yards because the Chiefs didn't have two good cornerbacks was a big part of that for Buffalo. But they had to play the chess game against the Chiefs because the Chiefs all of a sudden started picking up steam with running the ball and Jarek McKinnon having 100 yards of offense and Tyreek Hill having two big plays and inability to guard Kelsey. Buffalo's defense falling apart at the end changed the math for Buffalo even before we get to the chaotic last two and a half minutes. Like the Chiefs scored the equivalent of... 27 points in the first three quarters of the game and the reason it wasn't 27 was because uh, Butker had the missed field goal at the end of the half and the missed extra point so that's four points right there that were left on the field for Kansas City they had 23 they then got it to 26 after the Tyreek Hill punt return which I was joking that the Bills should have gone for it on 4th and 20 because field positioning would have been better even if they don't convert it. But Buffalo ends up, Tyreek goes down the field. The Chiefs run a terrible play call at the goal line. It's 26-21. Could have been 30-21 at that point for the Chiefs. Three touchdowns, three field goals. And the Bills decided that then we want to hold the ball at the end of the game. They scored that amazing touchdown drive the one that um, goes to Davis on the 4th and 14 where he breaks a dude's ankles, and it's just like, oh, it's heartbreaking. But then the Chiefs scored in 50 seconds when I thought it. You know, the Chiefs' offense went like 1 for 4 right before the Tyreek Hill touchdown because Buffalo's secondary just, you know, couldn't tackle anyone at the end, and Tyreek Hill is just faster than everyone else in the sport just faster than everyone guarding him faster than everyone in the secondary he can has breakaway speed even when everyone else is tired like Terry Kill finds a whole nother energy there but the Chiefs were one for four on that drive before the Terry Kill touchdown with 120 or 102 to go and so Buffalo played the game of we can do big plays and they can do big plays, but we need to be strategic about when we use the big plays because time of possession does matter in, like we saw at the end of the game, the strategy is just keep the other quarterback off the field. Josh Allen wins the game with 13 seconds left to go, doesn't touch the ball again, and they still lose. Doesn't get to touch the ball again at the end of the game, and they find a way to lose. Because Kansas City Chiefs offense was awesome. The Buffalo Bills offense was awesome. Bills defense was terrible. Chiefs defense was terrible. Made for a really, really epic football game with 32 points in the final four minutes of the game. And the Buffalo Bills lose the game only because of that reason. That it ends up with Kansas City scoring those two scores because they just got the ball last like that's the simplest explanation I can give there is they got the ball last Buffalo did everything right Buffalo did clock management correct and they still they had to score a touchdown so there's only so much they could do other than scoring on the last play of the entire game or scoring on the next play so that the Chiefs don't have two plays to get into field goal range but still the point being for the for the Buffalo Bills they played the game plan exactly the way they should have they played the game plan right in running the ball in the fourth quarter 
taking the deep shots strategically. They were able to score enough points to keep up with the Chiefs, unlike last year where the Chiefs' defense played an impeccable game against the Bills when they couldn't run the football. This time around, they decided to run the ball with Josh Allen, which I found to be super-duper fascinating that they went run game, run game, run game with Josh Allen towards the end. Even on like second and 10, they were calling design runs with Josh Allen, but it was like it was first and 10 because they knew they were going for it on fourth down anyways. It was really interesting to watch that towards the end. And the Kansas City Chiefs ran an offense early in the game that kept Josh Allen off the field. I know we were talking about the chaotic final four minutes of the game and it changed all the math around this because I would like to spend an entire podcast talking about how a man for the Chiefs got his ankles broken on what was at the time the biggest play of the entire freaking game biggest play of the game and Patrick Mahomes got his ankle or not Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs corner got his ankles destroyed by the the uh, by Gabriel Davis and it ended up being like the fifth most important play of the game but it was still really interesting because the final four minutes are going to overshadow everything that happened before. And in a weekend that was just stupid all over the place, it was super, super interesting to watch the Kansas City-Buffalo chess match at the beginning of the game because both teams' defenses weren't doing great. And both teams could score pretty much however they wanted. Buffalo had a bunch of punts in there as well. Like the Chiefs held up at some point because they were able to get pressure with four and Frank Clark tackled uh, Devin Singletary on a screen pass that ended up forcing a punt and it didn't work out all the way through and through it wasn't like the Patriots game for the Bills where they just did whatever they wanted like the Chiefs got a couple stops here and there and it was the reason the Chiefs should have been up nine points in the fourth quarter because the Chiefs played about nine points better than the Buffalo Bills it's just the missed kicks kept the game alive and delivered the miracle finish so you know what good for the Butker missed kicks I know if the Chiefs had lost, it would have been brutal that that's the bad luck, is that their 89% kicker in his worst season, I think they said on the broadcast, Jay Feely said 89% was Butker's worst season. Their their 89% kicker happened to miss two kicks at the end of the game that cost him four points in a game where four points ended up being the easy difference in the entire game. And so both those offenses were so amazing. Josh Allen, like, congrats, you're an elite quarterback. I needed a large enough sample size to prove it. Congratulations, you are an elite quarterback in the NFL. It's pretty freaking incredible how good that Buffalo Bills team is, even if they're just not the Kansas City Chiefs, which is no shame to them because you're going up against Mahomes and Andy Reid. No shade to you for not for being equal to the Kansas City Chiefs is pretty damn remarkable. The fact that they were as good as the Chiefs and probably should have beat them is a testament to how great that Buffalo team is. I hope they get something that verifies and validates their greatness other than, I mean, a Super Bowl would do it for them, but even an AFC championship would get it for them. But they just happen to be existing at the same time as one of the great dynasties in the history of football. And sometimes that's how we measure greatness is who did you prevent from winning? Tom Brady's got a long body count. Michael Jordan's got a long body count. LeBron James has a long body count of people that he prevented from winning. Patrick Mahomes is developing a hell of a body count right now with those Texans teams. 
and the Titans with Derrick Henry and the Bills and the Ravens. It's a hell of a body count that Patrick Mahomes is developing of people he kept from winning because the Chiefs have been that dominant over even the very best in the sport. But for the Buffalo Bills, their game plan was super interesting, as we've talked about before, and they did everything right. They did everything right down to the very end. They used Gabriel Davis as a true wide receiver too, when you know last year it was Cole Beasley who had a career year. And this year, Beasley worked more out of the slot. Gabriel Davis became a true wide receiver too. And they tried to add Emmanuel Sanders, and he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. They found their true wide receiver too, and a Dawson Knox. It worked out super well for the Bills. And honestly, I, I mean, Dayball might leave, but I'd be interested to see if they keep that unit together, how they tinker things this offseason. Because the easiest answer I can throw out there, if, if we're going to do the Bills obituary podcast here, the easiest thing for them is to just get a solid running back. Like, draft picks don't matter to you in the way that a top-shelf running back would make a difference. I'm Christian McCaffrey might be a weird one just because of the salary cap implications of a trade and how much you'd have to give up for him. And It might be like a asking-too-much situation, and you'd have to overpay to get him in the first place because you'd have to entice the Panthers to move off of him. But Dalvin Cook... Would the Vikings have an offer for Dalvin Cook? Would Saquon Barkley join you in free agency this offseason? I don't know if that does like the, the number over the top, but if Saquon would be willing to join the Bills in free agency, that would be super interesting. Like Buffalo just needs a top-shelf running back to at least impose the threat of running the football without Josh Allen. Because by the end, Singletary did the best he could, and they really tried to emphasize the run game with Singletary at the end of the year. But through and through, their game plan was to get Josh Allen to run the football. They just can't do that in the regular season without destroying his body. And this is how teams are getting smart. As we saw in the Tampa and Rams game, the Bucks didn't play the same off 11 defensive players the entire year. Entire year, they didn't play the same 11 players together. And now the entire starting 11 from last year's championship run got healthy for this one game. They all were healthy enough to play this one game. They didn't play together the entire season. Getting guys into the games that actually matter, because regular seasons don't actually matter, as we're seeing this year. Regular season just didn't matter. Packers, one seed, gone. Titans, one seed, gone. Uh, We know who the best teams are. Sure, the Bills had to play the Chiefs in the divisional round instead of the conference championship, but you still got the epic matchup. Um, you know, Buccaneers gone. They Buccaneers were one of the best teams in the NFL. Bills, Bucks, Packers were three of the four best teams this year, all gone before the conference championship weekend. So we're learning that regular seasons don't matter, even though I've been saying this for two years. Regular seasons don't matter. It's about getting guys healthy. But in the regular season, the Bills tried to bring home the run game with Devin Singletary the past few weeks of the year. And then they did it against the Patriots. Once they had a big lead, they could experiment with running the football with him. And when they got to this game, too much was on the line to let Devin Singletary take the ball. The same thing happened in the 49ers-Packers game. Too much was on the line, and so best players touched the ball every single time. Devin Singletary, 10 carries, 26 yards on the entire game. He also had four catches out of the backfield on screen passes. But the point being, the running back for the Buffalo Bills was Josh Allen. Quarterback for the Buffalo Bills was Josh Allen. For the 49ers, the running back was Debo Samuel. The fullback was Trent Williams. Like, they decided 
We have three amazing players. The difference between the 49ers and the Steelers is those three players on offense. The Steelers have no Pro Bowlers on offense. The uh, San Francisco 49ers have Hall of Fame left tackle Trent Williams. They have George Kittle, maybe the best tight end in the NFL, if not the best, the second best tight end in the NFL. And Debo Samuel, one of the five best players at his position. Five to ten. Two of the 15 best weapons in the NFL and the best left tackle in the NFL. Those three players touched the ball or were a part of the offense the entire way for Tampa. And the Buffalo Bills said, Josh Allen is our quarterback and Josh Allen is our running back. The same way that the Baltimore Ravens found a hack in the system where they could get Lamar Jackson, the elite quarterback, and Lamar Jackson, the elite running back, and only have to pay him $1.5 million a year for the past four seasons. Baltimore Ravens found a hack in the system. Buffalo Bills found a hack in the system. And they let Josh Allen be the running back for the bulk of their carries. What they could only do in this game, like only Josh Allen's body can only take so much. But once you get to games that are win or go home, the, the count on that changes a little bit. Because Josh Allen can take those hits twice a year, but can't take them 18 times a year. If you spread out one season's worth of running back hits, 18 games, if you play two playoff games a year... That's spreading out those hits over nine seasons. And so you're protecting Josh Allen by him not getting hit and not getting tackled, except for when you want him to level someone because he is larger than most linebackers in the NFL. 6'6", 250 pounds. They totally changed the game plan at the end of the season. And it was the right thing to do, by the way. It was the right thing to do to have Josh Allen be your running back and your quarterback, and let the offense entirely run through him the same way it was smart for the 49ers to take away Jimmy Garoppolo's passing privileges after he turned the ball over against the Packers. They just ran screen passes to Debo Samuel, five-yard pass route, the same route over and over to Kittle, just let them try and tackle Kittle, and put Debo Samuel in motion at running back. And sometimes just put Debo Samuel at running back, because Debo Samuel's better than Elijah Mitchell. Debo Samuel's more useful as a running back, and them knowing that they're running it with Debo Samuel than the possibility of Elijah Mitchell being a running back. It's a smart strategy, and you play to the personnel you have. But now Buffalo has a chance to change their personnel. Buffalo needs a top-shelf running back. doesn't have to be the best running back in the NFL. It just needs to be not a bottom 30 running back, or like not even having a starting running back in Devin Singletary. Because Devin Singletary is an interchangeable running back at this point. So get one of the running backs that's not interchangeable. You can get them this offseason. Christian McCaffrey is technically available. I threw Dalvin Cook out there as like a price they can't refuse. Because who gives a shit about that first round pick? You gave up a first round pick to get Stephon Diggs. It was a genius move. Who gives a shit about that first round pick? That first round pick could be Jalen Rager. That first round pick could be Rashad Bateman. The Ravens could have gotten a a true wide receiver one instead of drafting Rashad Bateman. They let it play out. That pick becomes less valuable after you use it. And picks are less valuable to to the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams were just smart enough to give up those picks. Because again, Von Miller, strip sack, two sacks on Tom Brady. Reason the Bucks are totally ineffective is because the Rams have an awesome pass rush. The reason they they crushed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was because their pass rush was so good. Getting Von Miller, perfect move. They got him at a cheap value because they took on 
uh, an injured Von Miller with his contract expiring. They gave up, they overpaid for Von Miller relative to what values of picks are, and it was a great move by the Rams in a win-now move. Buffalo needs that as well. Yeah, they could have gotten Najee Harris in the draft last year if they had traded up over the Steelers, and that's kind of the same equivalent of like, if you get Najee Harris, you're good. But go get a proven commodity, even if it's not the same person they once were. Like Dalvin Cook's maybe not the same running back he once was. Christian McCaffrey's maybe not the same running back he once was. Take a shot. Just take a shot with it because you just need a non-interchangeable running back to really, really set that offense up to be unbeatable. Like, really, they can, and they can do it too because they have all their draft picks. They have a, at some level of available cap space. They can negotiate, they can overpay with picks as a way to pay down the contract on McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook. Go get yourself a top shelf running back and use as many picks and cap space as possible to make it happen because next year, is like a maximize your window year. Josh Allen's getting that extension. It kicks in next season. Josh Allen's extension kicks in. Now he's going on the fifth year option next year, and then he's going to be making $40 million. Go all in next season to really bolster that roster. The picks don't matter the way you think they do. You have six or seven star, star players. Eventually, they will all make a lot of money. Some of them will do it with other teams, and some people will not be worth the money that you pay them. This is why teams always cycle through windows of success unless you have the star quarterback that will keep you stable. Even the Packers miss the playoffs two years with Rodgers and McCarthy. Even Tom Brady loses in wildcard games and loses in divisional rounds with an all-in team. It happens. These are the cycles of the NFL, but you're always going to be relevant because you have Josh Allen. And so you got to go all in on the last year that Josh Allen's on a relatively cheap contract. And that means paying whatever picks are necessary and cap space for the possibility of a top shelf running back. Just a possibility of a top shelf running back is worth it for the Buffalo Bills because they were already that close with Josh Allen going 11 carries for 68 yards. That's the solution I can think of most effectively for Buffalo. uh, Double down on the offense there. Use the resources you have. It's not like it's giving up a compromise of your future. Like You have all of the assets available this offseason to do it. You've been remarkably litigious in how you've spent those picks. Now is the chance to make an all-or-nothing move to avoid letting the market blow it up yourself. Because again... Josh Allen's going to be on a gigantic contract, which as we know happens, the math is going to change on who's going to be in Buffalo. Diggs is always going to be there. Travis White's always going to be there. Is Micah Hyde going to be there? Who knows? Is Ed Oliver going to be back? Who knows? Is Gabriel Davis going to re-sign with them? Who knows? But the Buffalo Bills can and should make the most of that window while they have a chance right now. And that means at least the possibility of a top-shelf running back. Even if it's signing Saquon Barkley, it's a possibility of a top-shelf running back. It's not quite the all-in move I would go for. I'd go get Dalvin Cook, no question, 100%. Go trade for Dalvin Cook. Just the possibility is what's important for Buffalo in this situation. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to our NFL Monday podcast recapping 
Kansas City and Buffalo game. All of our friends will be coming on to do all kinds of great podcasts here over the next week or so. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. Make sure to leave a download, five-star review, and a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you're stopping in. As I said in our soapboxed discussion about the Kansas City Chiefs earlier, you guys are helping to make the dreams come true. And I really, really appreciate each and every one of you who continues to support this podcast, again, that exists in part because of that magic man, Patrick Mahomes, doing amazing football god things. It's so great. And this is the week to do double podcasts and the week to soapbox about Patrick Mahomes. Emotions were flowing here on Sunday night, which is technically when this is being recorded. Emotions were flowing, and Patrick Mahomes got the karma that they so rightfully deserve and now have a clear-cut path to the Super Bowl as long as they don't mess it up. This was one where they were not as necessarily the better team. They are the better team against everyone who's left in the playoffs. So at this point, don't mess it up, Mahomes. You're, you got everything going for you. Congratulations, and uh, take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.